I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, what's going on, everybody? Yet another nationally televised game for the Buffalo Bills and another victory for them to add to their tally. Now 12-3 and on the season after another blowout victory, this time a 38-9, to basically therapeutic win for Bills fans, I would think, uh, over the New England Patriots in Foxborough, uh, a game that led defensive end Jerry Hughes to say that he had never felt like he did before. It felt like this in Foxborough um, ever before. So just goes to show how long it's been, seeing as how this is the eighth season for Hughes in Buffalo and what it meant to the Bills franchise to sweep them and knock them off and get to their 12th victory. Welcome in, everyone. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me is my podcast co-host, Matthew Fairburn, and we are the Buffalo Beat and breaking down all elements of this big-time win over the New England Patriots, what it means, what it means to Week 17, what it means to the playoffs, everything along those lines. So, Matthew, I think where we have to start off more than anything is just the win, what it represented how I guess uh, of a of a huge step forward, maybe not even just for this season, just monumentally, um, and and just having that part of their stigma uh, now detached from them, just another thing to add to the list of of things that they have won up this season. I mean, the way that this Bills offense operated. And how they just control the entire game. Same thing, I guess, for the defense for the most part. Um, and how they were able to do away with the Patriots so easily. It is an impressive victory and one that could leave a, a lasting impression heading into the playoffs. Yeah, the Bills clearly went into this game wanting to not just beat the Patriots, but beat them convincingly. And if possible, run up the score and rub it in and and really leave a mark a little bit. And this was the first game at Gillette Stadium ever in which the Patriots were no longer in contention for the postseason. Like ever since the, the building opened. So that's incredible. this was, you know, not your typical Patriots team, as we've seen for most of the year. They've been shorthanded from the start uh, with COVID opt-outs on defense. Uh, they lost Tom Brady, uh, you know, even more notably than that. They were playing in this game without Julian Edelman and without Stephon Gilmore. But still, even, you know, back in week eight, that was a banged-up Patriots team with the same opt-outs on defense, and that team frustrated Josh Allen. He didn't. That was arguably his worst game of the season. Uh, by passer rating, it was his worst game of the season. Yes, the the Bills ran the ball great in that game, but he didn't have a great game, and it felt like Bill Belichick has had his number. He his numbers against the Patriots heading into this game were terrible. And obviously, 2018 and 2019, Josh Allen is not 2020 Josh Allen. But uh, like I said, even earlier this season, he wasn't great against the Patriots. He had more touchdowns tonight than he had in the previous four games against the Patriots. So I think it wasn't so much about beating the Patriots as they are currently constructed. You know, the the Bills were fortunate that the timing of their rebuild and the 
it hitting its apex synced up perfectly with the Patriots roster decaying from within uh, and them losing Tom Brady. Those things matched up so that the Bills could not only win the, the division, but tonight they guaranteed that they will finish at least five games ahead of the Patriots uh, by the end of the season. So, you know, sweeping the Patriots for the first time um, since 1999, sweeping the Patriots hadn't been swept in the division since 2000, I believe. So, you know, all those things are great. But to me, it was there was a, a coach out there that didn't have all of his defensive pieces that still had the answers for Josh Allen. Even during the broadcast, Lewis Riddick kept bringing up that Bill Belichick felt that way. That he, and, you know, I don't know how much of this was them playing it up for the broadcast or what, but Lewis Riddick and Steve Levy, Brian Greasy were talking about how Bill Belichick wasn't really buying into the MVP hype with Josh Allen because, you know, they handled him fine in the first game. And he, in a conference call this week with Buffalo reporters, Bill Belichick wasn't critical of Josh Allen, but, you know, when asked about his improvement, kind of just said, well, you know, most players improve, uh, you know, as they go along. Rookies are rookies. You know, we all get better as we go along and talked about all the great things around Josh Allen. And you can just kind of read between the lines. So there was this sort of undertones that there was this team that had him figured out, this coach that had him figured out, this blueprint that was out there. And yes, this is not a great Patriots team overall, but to do what they did to them in the fashion that they did was just a sort of another feather in the cap and another little bit of confidence to to head into the postseason with that I think they actually needed in, in a certain way. Um, did they need to beat the Patriots for their overall playoff picture? Probably not, right? Yeah, it helps in the seeding, of course. Winning helps in the seeding. But it felt like they needed it as opposed to the alternative uh, of what a close game or a loss might have done to the the psyche. And um, the Patriots had no answers uh, for Josh Allen. And now it's now it's a question of if anybody else can find any because it, over the last four weeks, Josh Allen leads the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And I think this, this is awfully um, familiar to even what we've been – getting at over the last few weeks about Allen on this run and specifically in the second half of the season, he has turned into that quarterback that, that we have been uh, alluding to. Whereas the one that always has a counter punch for whatever the defense is trying to do to him. If it's a zone coverage, it's, finding the the soft spots and not being afraid to uh, put the ball with touch over a defender if there's an open area behind him. We saw that a couple of times in this game and and I thought the the Monday night crew did a really nice job highlighting those plays. Um, in man-to-man coverage, it's reading all of his keys and and not forcing the ball into situations. Like perfect example was on that 50 yard touchdown pass to Stefan Diggs, where his first read was going to Gabriel Davis on the deep post. He saw the free safety go with Davis, um, came off the read, looked to the other side of the field, saw Diggs in a very tiny window in the in that coverage, found it, and then Diggs did the rest and and scampered up the field for a touchdown. Like these are just plenty of examples of all of this all of this work that the Bills have put into Josh Allen, that Josh Allen has uh, has put into himself, that the Bills have surrounded him with the talent that they have. I mean, it's, it's all peaking right now at an opportune moment for this Bills team. And it's not even just zone versus man. I mean, he's, he's great against pressure too. I mean, delivering A-plus passes with – 
uh, a defender about to hit him. Um, the throw as he was the touchdown throw as he was rolling to his left and, and basically throwing it with his body working against him uh, into the end zone to find Stefan Diggs and, and pinpoint accuracy, might I add. Like there, there was just no answer for him. And I think for opposing defenses, and yes, the Patriots are not the Sterling example, but he was still able to do great things against the Steelers a few weeks ago, uh, against the Broncos, who are a little bit uh, shorthanded as a as a secondary, but still play a really well-coached brand of defense that just held the L.A. Chargers, who've been scoring 25-plus points whenever the heck they want, to, to only 19. Um, so you have all of these different factors and you have this quarterback for the Bills that is playing as well as any quarterback in the league right now. He is playing, he has become a top five quarterback in the NFL, a no doubt MVP candidate, and he just became the franchise leader in touchdown passes, overall yards, and completions in a single season and is only 40 yards shy of breaking Drew Bledsoe's mark from 2002. These are ridiculous measures, and it's not just the numbers, it's how he's doing them and how he's continued to have an answer when a defense tries to give him a different look, even in-game. And it's just been really impressive, and I think this this game, with the Patriots switching up their coverages, being usually man-to-man based and sometimes uh, delving into the zone coverage in this game in particular, just him always having that answer uh, was incredibly impressive regardless of who was lining up for the Patriots. Yeah, I think when it comes to the Patriots, Bill Belichick is a huge part of the equation and always has been, um, and as long as he's there, he always will be. Does Stefan Gilmore change the calculus a little bit if he's out there? Sure. Um, he's arguably the best cornerback in the NFL and probably would have done a better job on Stefan Diggs than uh, J.C. Jackson did. But, you know, the the way Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs have been able to get on the same page as quickly as they have, has been a complete game changer for this team and, and for this offense. Stephon Diggs' numbers are nutty. He's got 120 catches for over 1,400 yards, uh, both franchise records. He had three touchdowns in this game. Uh, it feels like that duo is really coming together and peaking at the perfect time. Uh, they're able to, you know, Josh Allen mentioned after the game that he's not the type of quarterback who needs or even wants his receivers to necessarily hit a certain landmark or be exactly nine yards here or there. He, he just kind of tells them to get open, you know, figure it out, find, you know, if you've got to break it off at six or break it off at 11 yards on a nine yard route, he doesn't really care, which, which makes a lot of sense when you watch him play. And when you've watched him play over the last few years, this, idea that he's almost better when it's not so rigid, when it doesn't have to be so cut and dry, if he can just look over there and see that the guy is in a certain spot and let it rip. And he has receivers that are really good at that. Cole Beasley uh, you know, is pretty good at ad-libbing and, and freelancing and finding a, a soft spot in zone coverage. Stephon Diggs has proven to be outstanding at that, and he's getting targeted uh, appropriately because of it. So th- this has become an offense that, you know, feels inevitable. It feels like they will keep moving the ball every time there there's a setback. There were, you know, drops in this game, touchdowns that were dropped. Uh, there were, you know, penalties that pushed them back. There were moments where this thing could have stalled and even the the slightest of stalls don't seem to last too long, uh, or they haven't lately. Uh, not over the last four games, like I said, that they're playing uh, and throwing the ball as well as any team in the league over that stretch, um, and that includes the Packers, who are lighting it up as well. So 
that makes them, you know, a legitimate contender. One of the better teams in the league. Uh, they entered the week with the fourth best Super Bowl odds in the NFL. That might uh, go up. They they might be second or third best after this. Who knows? I think, you know, beating the Patriots that way, even when the, you know, the Patriots have had some games like this this year where they've gotten beat pretty convincingly, but it feels like an eye opener when it happens. It was the worst loss at home uh, in the the Bill Belichick era. So it's, and it was the second worst loss I think they've had under Bill Belichick period. So it's been a while since the Patriots got beat that convincingly. And I think that that means something uh, against a team like that. So I think it was, you know, as, as thorough as we've a beat down as we've seen them hand out uh, considering the opponent. Yeah. And I mean, just them doing this with what could be their last showing uh, before things get real in the playoffs is just even more of an eye-opening thing for anyone that they could go up against in the playoffs. And it, I think there's there has been a lot of attention paid to uh, the way that this team has developed like this, and it's been a, a full team effort, but I don't know that they are anywhere close to where they are, to your point, with, with the connection between Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. I don't know that they're anywhere close to uh, to this caliber of team this quickly into their build without those two guys clicking the way that they have. And if you look at it, like they had every single excuse to not have this happen this quickly for them. Like it was just just very uh, basically it it's the pandemic year. Like that's, that's a built in excuse in itself to where, okay, they, they weren't able to meet face to face with coaches around with a structured offense around them until August. And sure. They had the, those impromptu Florida um, practices with the players only a, a handful of players were there, but you know, most of the time it was just, it was them waiting to be able to finally work together with Brian Dable there, with Ken Dorsey there, with Sean McDermott there um, to figure out who they were going to be. And then there's also the uh, the whole concept that is usually right on of when a, a receiver, an established receiver, gets traded from one, te- one team to another. It usually takes that player time to get into the, the swing of things. And that's even with a full off season of work, spring workouts, everything along those lines. These two guys have not had any of that, which makes it all the more impressive for them to be as record setting heavy as they are. And for them to really set the, the tempo every single week. I mean, these two guys have been on it almost every week. And one probably couldn't exist without the other and not to the way that this Bills offense has has been clicking which is why without these two guys Allen progressing the way that he has Diggs hitting his prime the way that he has with in unison with Allen I mean it I don't think it's that much of a stretch to to say that this Bills team isn't anywhere close to what they are right now if it, if it wasn't for that pairing of those two guys Oh yeah, they. W- I don't think they would be a twelve and three football team without Stephon Diggs, uh, and that's not taking away from what Allen has done, but it's it all kind of works in concert, and you're not um, getting what you're getting out of Cole Beasley. Uh, you know, if, I mean, without Stephon Diggs, you're down to Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Cole Beasley, which is a much different looking receiver group um and you know, Justin Brown, Jefferson maybe maybe if that's who they yeah. picked we don't right. know who they would have picked and you know it's it's hard to and would he have would a rookie receiver have been able to jump in and click the exact same way John Brown obviously as well but he's been hurt so much that I'm more so just talking about like on the field right now um right 
So yeah, you'd probably have, you know, insert rookie receiver, call it Justin Jefferson, but um, it, it's hard to envision, you know, just the the pairing, the way that it's worked and the stuff that Stefan Diggs does well and, and the way he's impacted this offense, uh, it's hard to envision another player having that type of impact. And while Josh Allen probably takes a step forward regardless, um, the confidence he has because he has digs on the field is noticeable. And it's having an impact on him, but it's also having an impact on the rest of the team. So, uh, yeah, there's a case to be made that Stefan Diggs is this team's most valuable player. Uh, and I don't think that's insulting Josh Allen to say that because Stefan Diggs has been that good. Um, Josh Allen, you know, from is the better league MVP candidate because quarterbacks uh, tend to win that award. But in terms of value added to the team, Stefan Diggs is neck and neck with him uh, on this team because he has been uh, that dominant as their number one receiver. And also to just to boost Diggs's um, importance to the overall roster, I, you know, I know that you felt it just just the same way as I did when just at the the training camp practices we were able to go to and just the the intensity level just seemed a bit more this this summer than I had been accustomed to really <laughs> ever before with with this Bills team but specifically with um, Sean McDermott led teams it just seemed like there was a different sort of competitiveness to it and I think dig spurred on a lot of that and that sort of you can't really quantify that and trying to figure out how important he has been to this team but I do think there's at least that's at least some fuel to the fire here of why this Bills team it just is a bit different this season. They have a different mix of personalities and Diggs is the biggest personality to get added to them. And there's no doubt he is a ton different than a lot of the guys in that locker room. And for him to come in and, and have that sort of mentality, that even that alpha mentality right from the get go with the offense. I mean, even within just a handful of practices going to Josh Allen and being like, all right, here's here's what I want you to do and and yelling from afar like want the ball now want the ball now to try and get that that anticipation uh, those throws with anticipation going because Diggs knew it would be essential to them uh, having success this season and Allen taking a massive step forward in that respect I mean that sort of impact outside of the stat sheet outside of the routes he runs which are awesome outside of the separation he gets that has been a pretty solid contribution to what the bills have been able to do and, and where they are right now, which is, yeah, there, there's no doubt they are super bowl contenders, championship contenders, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. And they've also had on the other side of the ball, one of the best defenses in football over the last couple of months. Um, They have been, they turned that side of the ball completely around after the first six weeks or so of the season being pretty up and down on defense. They've now been really good, um, you know, as a defensive team. So this might've been, again, Patriots offense, not very good. Cam Newton looks kind of shot, but this was the lowest point total they've allowed uh, all season long. And, they're looking, you know, they had touchdowns in the two games prior to this one. This is as good as the defense has looked all season. So uh, in terms of everything coming together at the appropriate time, this is what it looks like, uh, which is what we talked a, a bit about last week. Uh, you know, the fact that they're they're starting to uh, make this all work at the time where you would plan it if you could, you um, bodes well for what they could do in the playoffs. Now there's a lot up in the air about what'll happen, you know, in the playoffs, who they'll match up against, uh, what seed they'll get all these different things. But, you know, as we've discussed, as we go through these matchups, there's not a team out there that that's eager to, to travel up to orchard park and, and play this team. So, you know, it's, 
it's in addition to everything going right on offense, they have a lot of things going right elsewhere. And that's a, as Jerry Hughes put it, it's an, it's an unusual feeling. It's a different feeling for him to sit on the sideline and watch the offense just rack up points. Uh, it's not something that he's, he's used to. He's not used to going into Gillette stadium and looking up at the scoreboard and seeing 38 to nine, um, at least not in the order in which it was presented on Monday night. So this is a team that, that is riding into the playoffs with confidence in all three phases, uh, you know, playing well in all three phases, uh, still a strong, a strong special teams group pulled off a fake punt tonight. Um, you know, at the perfect time, uh, calling, what was likely a, an audible at the line, seeing the way the Patriots kind of crammed their players in um, and being able to pull that off a little thing that that cost them a game against the Patriots last year, you know, like mm-hmm. little things that are just different uh, about this group. Um, and it's all, it's all coming together uh, at the right time. So this is a team that, that could make some noise uh, in January, um, you know, when the playoffs start and, Pretty soon, you know, a week from now, we'll we'll know who they're playing and, and what it will get a better idea of what it will look like. But regardless of who they match up against, um, I'd say they're going to be fairly significant favorites uh, in that first round matchup. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And this leads us to another uh, discussion that we need to get into because now it's a matter of philosophical choices for the Bills. So the situation with seeding and whatever else is pretty basic at this point. The, The Bills are... Thanks to the Green Bay Packers defeating the Tennessee Titans, the Bills are locked in as either the number two or the number three seed in the AFC this this uh, this playoff season, and the other team would end up being the Pittsburgh Steelers after they wrapped up the AFC North following their uh, their win over the Indianapolis Colts. So now. It's the situation where the Bills have one game left. It's against the Miami Dolphins, who will be doing everything in their power to try and make it to the postseason because they want a win and they are into the postseason. It would be a dramatic turnaround for them, and they want to see that journey out to be able to to get to that level. So for the Bills, if they win, they would guarantee themselves the number two seed, which would, as we've talked about would guarantee them a second home playoff game. Um, No matter what, they are guaranteed to not face the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round. That's that's already locked in. But with the two seed, they would be guaranteed a second home playoff game. And if the Chiefs were to lose in the divisional round, it would mean the Super Bowl path of the AFC would end up going through Buffalo, as long as the Bills handle their business in those first two games a lot of ifs there but that's that's what they're looking at but if they were to lose to the Dolphins and the Pittsburgh Steelers wind up winning week 17 then the Bills would then become the three seed and have to travel to Pittsburgh in the second round as long as Pittsburgh wins um, in the first round to try and get to the AFC championship game so it's 
a bit of a conundrum for them because do you go for the higher seed and and uh, risk or really tempt fate with putting your best players at the potential for injury, even though right now they are extremely healthy with the exception of Cole Beasley, who we still don't know his status, uh, left the game late with an injury. We'll, we'll find out more as the week goes along. And John Brown, who's now on the reserve COVID list, who is just about to return from a long-term ankle sprain. So they have all of these things working in their favor. How much is that number two seed worth to them? Like for me, I don't think they should go out of their way and try try and win the number two seed. Having guys like Josh Allen, uh, Stefan Diggs, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, uh, Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, I'm sure there's there's plenty of others that, that you could think of here that I, I think it would be so much more worth it to them to have those guys and travel to Pittsburgh for that second round game as opposed to not having one or more of those guys in that game and just just for the sake of trying to make sure that you wrap up a a second home playoff game that's by the way only hypothetical if you win that first game so to me the decision is pretty easy forget the two seed just let let things happen as as they will because you also don't know what what's going to happen in the Pittsburgh game the Steelers might wind up resting their starters against the Browns and a Pittsburgh loss is as good as a Bills win to get the number two seed so for me the decision is easy I'm resting all of the important guys making making sure you have them for an incredibly important playoff run and then doing whatever you need to once the playoffs get there with with your optimal lineup yeah, there's also the the fact that home field advantage probably isn't what it normally would be, um, right. you know, with everything going on. And, you know, so maybe there's the possibility of 6,700 fans at a Bills home playoff game. Well, that's still not going to be the atmosphere you would normally get at the Bills, you know, first home playoff game in 25 years. So that element of it, I think, tips the scale in favor of, you know, resting guys. We saw this last year where they rested guys, um, you know, that we know that that's something that they're, you know, willing and probably inclined to do when the situation calls for it. Are they locked into a specific seed right now? No, but they are avoiding that number four seed, which is the important piece, I think, of, right. of the puzzle. And that they accomplished that tonight, which is why um, yes, Josh Allen did get a rest in this game in the fourth quarter, basically the entire thing, but that was only because the game was out of hand. They needed to win this one, but winning next week isn't, you know, super important to what they're doing. Now, the rest of the, the picture, you also have basically no control. It'd be one thing if it were so simple, you know, to be a situation where it was like, beat the Dolphins, you know, lose to the Dolphins and the Ravens are eliminated or something like that. There, There's no controlling who they play. They could be in mm-hmm. the, they could be in the two seed and still draw the Ravens uh, or the Browns, uh, who we've talked about as potentially tough matchups. And they could be in the three seed and get the Dolphins. So I think there, with there not being too much of, a few things. They're not being too much of a home field advantage because of everything going on. The very real possibility that the Steelers lose anyways, uh, mm-hmm. whether they rest starters or not, uh, because you know if the Browns can get some of their players back, I'd say the Browns have a, a, a puncher's chance against the Steelers. And three, the possibility that the Steelers lose in the first round, even if they end up with the two seed. All of those things, I think when you factor in all of that, into the equation and then add in the possibility of one of your key players getting injured. I think it makes sense to, to sit guys and, you know, just kind of play your backups and see what happens and see if the Steelers lose. But I don't think getting the two seed uh, and getting to 13 and three is really all that important. No, I, I'm totally with you there. I do wonder if maybe uh, as long as the Bills go with with that uh, train of thought, which I think 
they would. There's too much logic pushing towards that direction. I know even though the players were talking about, uh, I think Josh Allen said they want the number two seed. And uh, players will say that because the players will always want to win every single game that they can. But the I think the wise decision here would be to limit what uh, the potential risk that they could have. I do wonder, though, if maybe the Bills go with a similar approach to what they did last year, where they still get Josh Allen to have some snaps early on in the game. They're all handoffs and, and short passes and things like that. The other factor at play here is the fact that uh, Josh Allen is only 40 yards shy of passing Drew Bledsoe. And I have seen teams, playoff-bound teams in the past, go into a game where they have full intention of resting their guys to get their their top players to those records and then parking them on the bench for the rest of the game. And I you know, the Bills are cognizant of of these records. There's no doubt. I don't know that in any other circumstance um, the Bills would have continued to force force it down uh, force it forward to try and get another touchdown pass, by the way, um, to bring up a 29-point lead that deep into the game, knowing that they are likely to win the game, that their their star quarterback would be everything to their championship push and and everything along those lines. So they, they know that these records exist. So I wonder if maybe that's the approach, just get them a series or two, get them the record and then, and, and get them the heck out of the game. So there's, there's a few different ways that they can approach this thing, but as long as they are staying, um, staying wise in this decision and not putting their top players at Liberty of injury, then I think it's it's the right approach. So uh, so number two seed be damned. It's all well and good. They still might wind up with it anyway. And again, that second home playoff game is merely hypothetical because they still have to win their first one. And to win the first one, you need all the all these great players on your roster that have helped you get to this point. And having every single one of them. Quite literally, they have not suffered a huge injury this season to where they're losing that player for the rest of the year. The closest one to that is Cody Ford. And even he was just an average starter for them this season. And Ike Butker, the the drop-off hasn't been so immense that you're just like, okay, well, uh, well, that's a complete loss there. The Bills have been extremely fortunate. So might as well keep that good fortune going. And, and controlling the one thing that you can, which is health heading into the playoffs, which is the most important thing going in. Yeah, I mean, going going into that Week 17 game against the Dolphins, the biggest loss you can take is an injury of any, of really, you know, to any significant player. Um, you know, you would feel completely foolish if, Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs got hurt. Uh, you know, those, mm-hmm. those guys that we're talking about that where this team isn't where they are without them, they ought to be in bubble wrap, you know, that, okay, go for the the record, I guess. But even that feels like it's pushing it at this point. Yeah. Um, true. You know, I, I get the idea of suiting up and going through the motions, but if you're out there slinging it around, trying to get some record, more than likely you'll pick it up on the first series or two and get them out of the game. But, you just don't know what's going to happen, and and that's a, a Miami team that can rush the passer. So none of that ma- – nobody will care about the record uh, when they look back on this season. He'll have other records. Um, you know, Drew Bledsoe having one isn't a big deal. They will care about – you know, they'll remember that forever if Josh Allen gets hurt, um, mm-hmm. and that's going to be weighing on these guys – big time when they make this decision and and they're thinking about all these things as well so yeah i think you know you saw it with stefan diggs leaving that broncos game these these brief moments josh allen getting tangled up against the chargers one play changes everything and yeah that play is as likely to happen uh in the first game of the playoffs uh as it is or in the first quarter 
of this game as it is against the Dolphins. But once you get to that game against the Dolphins, once you've gotten to the point where you've locked in a top three seed like they did in this game against the Patriots, you have that luxury of a one-week reset, a one-week step back. And I don't really buy into this idea that it'll disrupt any sort of flow or momentum or whatever, Mm -mm. you know, people want to say. I don't think, you know, I don't think that'll be much of a factor at all. Uh, And if they let that get into their thinking because of what happened last year when they rested starters and then lost to the Texans, I don't really buy it because they came out firing uh, against the Texans and had a great first half. It was the second half that, that was their problem. So uh, I don't think that that should weigh into their thinking very much. And um, the last thing they want, you know, all the tiebreaker scenarios you're looking at or all the, the seeding things. And if this happens and this happens, then the bills play this team. The number one thing you're, you're hoping for is that the bills, when that final whistle blows against the dolphins, don't have any significant injuries to worry about heading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, the worst that could happen to them where they are the thinnest at their, uh, at certain positions, I mean, they're going to have to play some of their starters. Like it'll probably be, I would assume Jake from as, uh, as the guy getting most of the reps, um, maybe Davis, Davis Webb, who knows, uh, if TJ Yeldon is back, he would be the ball carrier. If not, I would assume it, it would be Antonio Williams on a call up, um, their practice squad running back. I mean, Gabriel Davis would probably be the, uh, the biggest pass catching name to have to play, uh, a major role in that week 17 game, but you can call up Duke Williams. Isaiah McKenzie can still give you reps. Andre Roberts can give you reps like he did at the end of the game. And so you're covered there. You have Tyler Croft to to take the tight end reps um, along the offensive line. You're probably going to have to play Ike Butker, but even if you have to, you still have guys like Brian Winters who can fill in even if he gets injured. Um, at defensive end, Trent Murphy will get a lot of snaps, I would be willing to predict. Um, defensive tackle, you have the depth to, to be able to shoulder that so Harrison Phillips Justin Zimmer would probably be getting the most snaps at linebacker you have ridiculous amounts of 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 bodies at least that can take those snaps so Tyrell Dodson Andre Smith I mean they could even take all the snaps and and keep guys like Tyler Matakavich who's their core special teams player out of of the defensive lineup the one position that they would probably run into having to play two guys that would factor in cornerback Levi Wallace and Josh Norman would probably both have to play in that game but that's that's really it like they can they can avoid a lot based on the depth that they have the health that they have and just make sure that they get through this game without a major injury to one of Josh Allen Stefan Diggs uh, Matt Milano, Ed Oliver, Deion Dawkins, Tredavious White, uh, Jerry Hughes. There's there's a few others that you can add to that list, but I mean those are the core ones. And you know trying to get them to the finish line so that way they can start a different and way more important race as they move forward. So I, I think we're both on the same page here. I think uh, a lot of fans would probably be on the same page. You know I'm sure there's some that would want that number two seed just to lock it in, but but like we said, you can have the best of both worlds here. I would be willing to bet that the Steelers are going to rest Ben Roethlisberger in Week 17. And if it's Mason Rudolph going up against the Cleveland Browns after they just lost the uh, lost to the New York Jets in an, an embarrassing fashion, I would tend to think that the Browns are going to come away with that win. Um, so if you're the Bills, just play it smart. Don't risk anything and and go from there. So, yeah, I think think we're all on the same page. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. 
All right, let's get to some awards. And there are some uh, there were some negative moments in this game as opposed to the Broncos game, really, and uh, and certainly the Steelers game before it uh, to get us to at least some of the the negative side of the awards, but still we'll, we'll mostly lean positive since this was in, in fact a, uh, a blowout win in favor of the Bills. So first we'll go with the, the Blaine Gabbert award for perseverance. I know there were some listeners that wrote in that Blaine Gabbert himself should get the Blaine Gabbert award for perseverance this week, but from a Bills perspective, who do you have and why? Well, I had probably, usually I get like one or two or three, three tweets or direct messages when Blaine Gabbard enters a game. I had to have had like a dozen plus on <laughs> probably because the game was on national television and everybody's right, yeah. watching it and everybody's home for Christmas break and everything else. But I actually wasn't even watching. I was shoveling and I came inside and um, I had like a bunch of tweets. It's gotten to the point where I'm now getting tweets when Blake Bortles signs somewhere uh, or gets promoted. Josh Rosen, like it's, I don't know. It's just any slappy bust of a quarterback. I now get tweets. So um, I'm tempted to just give this to all the people that, that tweeted uh, because they continue (laughs) to stick with it. And, and I appreciate that about them. I'm going to, I'm going to give this one to Lee Smith tonight yes great great choice the man who was cut by the patriots all those years ago uh comes back around scores a touchdown against the old club uh he is one large man that lee smith two catches (laughs) for 31 yards tonight big outing uh for the big guy um (laughs) and to top it all off lee smith had Probably what I'm imagining for him was the highlight of his evening. Labatt Blue Light tweeted, Lee Smith is a large can of beer. Uh, and I think uh, that that sums it up pretty well. So I'm giving this one to Lee Smith, a guy that um, I miss a lot talking to in the locker room all the time. Um, you know, not a guy that's a regular on the Zoom rotation uh, for obvious reasons. Doesn't get a ton of playing time, but... Um, I imagine he was having a good time uh, in the locker room at Gillette Stadium after this one. Oh, absolutely. He has gotten over 30% of snaps the last few games, so uh, he's 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 carved quite a nice little role for himself. But my my personal favorite line, and I didn't know the, the thing about, about the uh, one large beer can thing. That's hilarious. Um, but my personal favorite line came from a tweet. I'm sorry I didn't catch the name. But it said Lee Smith is a tic tac shy of 300 pounds. <laughs> and I thought that was that was quite witty uh, because it's absolutely right. He is he is quite possibly the largest tight end uh, in the NFL right now, and he's certainly not there for his receiving chops. But he showed that off tonight. You know, nice little rumble uh, leak route in the end zone for a touchdown, and then just being wide open and, you know, somehow running it 15, 20 yards down the field for a big gain. Like when you look back at this, uh, at this game book and you see Lee Smith, 28 yard, uh, reception, you'll be like, wow, that really did happen in front of my eyes. It, it, uh, it sure did. And so, yeah, I think Lee Smith is a, a great recipient of this. There was also earlier in the week, the day before Christmas Eve, the Bills had some fancy little graphic about all the guys that have caught touchdowns. And it, said, it was a tweet that said, the, the offense is cooking. And Isaiah McKenzie um, quote tweeted it and tagged Cole Beasley and said, look at us with all these exclamation points. And Lee Smith responded and said, and me, asshole, <laughs> which <laughs> I think was, uh, it, it just made me miss uh, Lee Smith a little bit more. Um, he is he is very funny. And I didn't even know that the guy, he always told me like, oh yeah, I just let my wife run my social media and blah, blah, blah. Clearly he's uh 
he's been logging on because he retweeted that Labatt Blue Light tweet, and he had that tweet uh, last week. So uh, Lee Smith is really he's really finding a way to persevere and, and stay relevant on this team. Um, and I, you know, playoff football, they might need the big guy. Yeah, they they sure will. He's playing a pretty solid role for them. All right, now to the uh, Dree Archer Award for the player who didn't show up. So we'll go with a player that didn't show up in this game and a player that that did show up. Um, I'll handle the one that that didn't show up. Um, and this this is really the biggest negative that that stems from the game. And that was the run defense in at the end of the first half when they were allowing a lot of chunk plays to to be run against them. So my uh, my award goes to Vernon Butler, who has actually played incredibly well over the last month of the season. So how's this for a stat? Um, it, he was in the game against thirteen uh, rush attempts, whether it be by Cam Newton or by a running back like designed runs not scrambles or anything like that and on those 13 attempts the patriots gained 86 yards 6.6 yards per carry so i'll give that to to vernon butler he really he got pushed aside on on his first rep which was it ended up being a a 28 yard gain that helped lead to a, a patriots touchdown like that's that stuff just can't happen um, he was on the field for two 20 plus yard gains um that's that's uh that's a bad job especially after he's been playing so well so uh that dree archer award goes to vernon butler for me how about on the opposite side for you go with stefan diggs nine catches yeah, 145 yards and three touchdowns um they are certainly glad that he did not pull a dree archer when they traded for him uh yeah. and decided to report because he has done uh, quite well for himself Oh yes. Um, so I, th- I think that's, uh, an understatement and, you know, honorable mention, I would say to, to Josh, that Josh Allen guy as well. Um, all right. The player that did show up in the second half being the Vontae Davis award. Uh, let's see I, the reverse Vontae Davis. I should say, I will go with Zach Moss for this one. I mean, he was once again, a uh, a closer for them, uh, getting a lot of tough yards, a lot of first downs, averaging almost five yards a carry against uh, this Patriots defense. I continue to believe that he is the more talented running back between he, him and Devin Singletary. I think his role is only going to grow next year for them, where potentially we see Singletary maybe shift more into uh, a complimentary type of player. You just you just see way more rushing talent from Zach Moss to where when they actually do want to establish and and try be a little bit more balanced. Um, that Moss needs to be the go to for that because he's just he's just talented. And every time he gets hit, like there was one there was one run where he would have been stopped for two yards, but he basically flipped over the contact and wound up with a five yard gain because that's just who he is. Whereas Devin Singletary. Yeah, you know, he doesn't have that that sort of trait to him. So, uh, yeah, the the reverse Vontae Davis award for me goes to Zach Moss, who I think was uh, a standout, even though he only had I think what fifty seven yards, if I'm fifty two yards, something like that. Uh, yeah, he he was he was really good in that game. I'm gonna give it to Matt Barkley. Oh, all right, because he actually got on the field in the second half. For he change. completed a pass. He completed two passes. Wow, for eleven yards, That's something. Got some kneel downs in. Uh, big night for Matt Barkley. Yeah, sure was. All right, got to watch the tape award. Um, can either be good or bad. Your call. Uh, the the run defense would definitely be a uh, candidate here if we didn't hit that uh, earlier on. But uh, I think for good reasons, I'm gonna give the uh, the got to watch the tape award to. Deion Dawkins for the boop block. I mean, he basically just slapped the Patriots cornerback on the forehead. <laughs> it stopped his momentum entirely. Uh, I forget what play it was, but it was absolutely hilarious. It was big time comedy. Um, 
I loved every second of it. I just imagine him going up to the the cornerback mid play after with with these big macho football players just going up to him and going boop, hitting him on the forehead and, and stopping his momentum entirely. I I I thoroughly enjoyed that play. So I'm gonna give the gotta watch the film award to that, even though it doesn't make complete sense because it, that play was too hilarious to not mention tonight. I'm going to give it to Taiwan Jones for that oh, uh, play in the end zone. It looked yeah. pretty bad, but I'll have to go back and, and give it a second look before I pass full judgment. But it looked it looked pretty bad. The Bills probably wish he would have done that last January, um, but that was a tough one. Yeah, I do think they will be uh, thinking twice about um, – putting him on the field and that was his only snap of the game by the way um they've been they've given him like one snap a game for the last couple of games before this one uh yeah i i i don't know that he's uh he's making or he'll be welcome in the offensive game plan uh once the once the playoffs roll around he might for week 17 who knows but yeah not probably not uh trustworthy enough if he's dropping that pass in that situation. But yeah, again, got to watch the tape, so we'll find out. All right, Matthew Fairburn. Um, we are only one more regular season postgame podcast before the fun starts to begin, and we actually get to see what the real identity of the 2020 Bills will end up being, if they're going to be a legitimate championship contender, or if... It, this entire buildup to this postseason will have been for naught and just a, a really, really good, historically good Bills regular season. So I, I, for one, am very excited to see how this whole thing is going to happen. Yeah, it should be an interesting... I mean, it feels like since September or October we've been talking about you know, learning what this team will look like as a playoff team, uh, because that felt like the inevitable end uh, and the inevitable next step uh, mm -hmm. going all the way back to the off season, talking about this team. It was the measure of progress was win a playoff game. Now it feels like uh, cashing in on this season would mean winning quite a bit more than that. Um, you know, when, once you're in the, that mix that they're in as a, a top to potentially a top two seed in the conference you're talking about having legitimate super bowl aspirations so uh the the game has changed here and it's it's going to be uh I, I feel like people will be watching other games more closely than the bills game next week because they want to see what that first you know who that first opponent will be uh and what the bills are are going to be up against wild card weekend are you saying that our Buffalo Beat fans uh, do not have a vested interest in an Antonio Williams, Jake Fromm led led game against the Dolphins. Actually, that's probably not true. Uh, based on um, questions I get in the mailbag and tweets I get oh, really? about Jake Fromm, people are very I was being very sarcastic. invested in Jake Fromm. People are very curious about him. Um, so there actually probably will be people that care quite a bit if Jake Fromm plays. If it's Davis Webb, they'll be turning off the TV and, and trying to see what's going on with the, the Ravens and the Colts and the Browns and such. Uh, this is probably a question I should have posed well earlier on in the episode. Maybe we can talk about this as, this, as, the, uh, as the week goes. Should the Bills flip Matt Barkley and Jake Fromm here? And have Matt Barkley to be the one that isolates um, from from the rest of the team uh, to ensure that they have their backup quarterback for for the playoffs, or at least ensure that they have him for the the first playoff game, um, just in case you never know with with what's going on in the world. I mean, you'd almost why not just do it with Josh Allen at this point? Yeah, but you know, you know, McDermott with the whole oh, you got to practice and and be and have everything uh in store and and practiced one one uh hundred percent getting it as many maximized reps as they can 
I just I probably think that's that's probably a non-starter for him. So the the best of both worlds for that would maybe be to isolate Barkley, but I suppose I feel like you're I mean, kind of splitting hairs at that point, right? Like if, you, yeah, if Josh probably. Allen's out, then the dream is probably over. So they could um, may not be the worst idea in the world, uh, but yeah, I don't know how much they're gonna switch that up at this point you know how valuable Barkley could be I don't know who knows but fact of the matter is crucial stretch for them in that regard because any positive case that were would potentially pop up in the next week would threaten that player's ability to play in mm-hmm. the first round of the playoffs so you know getting that positive test over the weekend I'm sure put a little bit of a scare into them um and they have to hope it's kind of an isolated incident because that could uh this is the time of year where yeah it was important all year and you know teams were taking it seriously all year but now it is you know of a different level of importance given the uh, 10-day minimum window pretty much anybody that that were to get it would be in trouble for the playoffs Mm -hmm. absolutely all right uh, so the Bills have a six-day lead up to their game with the Miami Dolphins, and the next time we will speak with you all will be on the Friday before that Dolphins game. A uh, a once familiar Sunday at 1 p.m. game. You know we've been getting so used to these late afternoon on Saturday games, Monday night games, Sunday night games. It's it's gonna be maybe weird to be back in the in the Sunday at, at one p.m. Uh, chair once again. You know, we'll see how long that lasts. If if they'll actually have a a one o'clock game for their playoff in in the first round, but you know, for one one last time, one guaranteed time, a one p.m. on a Sunday, I quite like those. So uh, it, it it should be fun, regardless if it's the Jake from Antonio Williams bowl or not. Yeah, just one last look at this Bills team before things get real. So uh, that's that's when uh, we will talk to you next and uh, the Bills will try and figure out if they're going to be the number two seed, number three seed, or at what they should be focusing on, healthy above all else. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. And we will talk to you late next week. See you then.